All right, another day in quarantine, another wellness check. Um, these have been uh, enjoyable. Today's was very stressful and not because of my guest. My guest was awesome. Um, I'll get into the stress of it all in a little bit here, but um, today I spoke with Jim Williams, who um, people might know as a longtime Chicago reporter. He's been in the business one way or another for 43 years, which is nuts uh, because if you interact with him, you see him on TV, uh, I, you would, I mean, he would have had to start when he was five in order to have been in the business for 43 years. Um, he had me on his uh, weekend, um, his weekend news broadcast for CBS2 back in, I think it was 2004 as a guest to talk about the heckler. And I, it was so much fun and I have forever been, uh, grateful to him for that. And, um, I've, you know, come to be Facebook friends with him. I think we've only met in person once or twice, maybe, uh, twice. I know once, but maybe twice. I, but I feel very familiar with him because of, you know, seeing him on TV and then also interacting with him on, on Facebook. Um, so I reached out to him. I was like, Hey, would you mind? He's like, absolutely. So here comes the stressful part. Um, I know the audio on these podcasts is not great. Um, I was not planning to be doing a regular podcast, so I don't really have a great setup. Today, I was playing around with one. I tested it. I thought it was going to be just fine. Recorded a great, you know, 35, 40-minute conversation with Jim. Went to play my recording, and it was only my audio, which would not have been a very interesting podcast. Uh, And I swore as loud as I've sworn in quite a while, and I played around with the audio file. Maybe I screwed something up just with the way I was playing it back. That was not the case. I screwed up. I called Jim. It's his day off. He work, he he um, he works uh, Saturdays through Wednesdays. I called Jim and I was like, hey man, I am really sorry, but I screwed up. He was like, no problem, Brad. I was like, if you if you want, you know, we can I took really good notes when we were talking. We can just do a, a shortened version. No, Brad, we'll do the whole thing all over. It's great. I enjoyed it. Uh, but can you call me in an hour? I'm doing some, some stuff now. I'm like, yeah, absolutely, for sure. So um, he joked that we would call that first one a trial run, which uh, we did. And uh, we touched on almost all the same topics that we did with the original. And I think maybe because we had that trial run earlier, uh, they, they, the responses and the, and the conversation were maybe a little bit more uh, fine-tuned even, we'll say. So uh, we talked about a lot of stuff, um, barely talked about sports, which was fine. Um, we talked about uh, how he's managing this, both from a professional and a personal standpoint. Um, he's married um, and, and you know how, how things are impacting his wife. She's actually, uh, they decided early on that if he was going to be out working in the field, it was in everyone's best interest for them to stay separately. So they're not living together right now. They're, she's at her own, she's doing her own thing, which I think would be, so difficult, um, but they seem to be handling it based on how he's described it, um, you know, pretty well, all things considered. Um, we talked about how social media uh, impacts uh, all of our mindsets and how what he's doing about that. Um, he, uh, we, we talked a lot about how, uh, you know, the media has been, been perceived during this, uh, th- during the pandemic and everything leading up to it. And his insight on that was predictably, uh, uh, eye-opening, and I really enjoyed that. Um, talked a little bit about his career, where he started. He started out at WGN fif- uh, for 15 years. He was with them starting in the late 70s. Um, so those stories were kind of interesting. 
And then he left WGN to be Mayor Daly's um, press secretary for five years. And that was fascinating hearing him talk about some of that stuff. Um, and then we switched gears a little bit. When I first met Jim, he had a full head of hair. Now he shaves his head. I um, have long been contemplating, you know, what action I can take given my hair loss status over the years. And it's unfortunately, I think only getting a little uh, faster now that we're uh, dealing with all these stresses around us. Um, and we, you know, we, we talked about, uh, we talked about the things in life that, that, that give him hope, uh, having been in the news business for so long and covering so many terrible things like what, you know, how does he personally and professionally like, you know, find hope. So that was, uh, it was, I, I can't thank Jim enough for his time. Uh, and he was a great interview and I, I hope you enjoy it here with, uh, out further ado after a short break, uh, Jim Williams from CBS two. Another day in quarantine means another wellness check. Um, the quarantine has been very, uh, unfortunate and, you know, something that's impacting all of us at every aspect of life. But, uh, one of the benefits that I've experienced is being able to do these wellness checks, checking in with people, um, in my network or my extended network. And, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's been really enjoyable. And today's guest is no different. Um, he's a reporter and weekend anchor from CBS two, Jim Williams, Jim, how are you? I'm doing well, Brad. Good to be with you. I appreciate it. So I debated um, discussing this, but I think it speaks to <laughs> what a wonderful person you are. Um, earlier today, we recorded what was an awesome interview, and I was so excited because you were such a great guest. And then I went to play it back and realized I somehow screwed up and only recorded my audio. So, uh, Jim, I really appreciate your patience and um, generosity with your time. Oh, it's my pleasure. This has happened to all of us, Brad. I mean, I've done interviews, and the cameraman will say, oh, I double-clicked, which means that, you know, we don't have the interview. <laughs> so oh, my like, gosh. You know, we do it again. It happens to everybody. Well, I was thinking about the, the positive for this, uh, this for you would be potentially, uh, you know, being as friendly and gracious as you are with your time. Uh, you probably get approached all the time by people like me, uh, or, you know, college students with a, with a project or whatever, and now you have a reason you can turn it down. You can say, you know, <laughs> I used to be really gracious uh, and generous with my time, but <laughs> one idiot took up two hours of my day off, and I just can't do them anymore. So I guess you're right. Oh, I'll, you know, I'll continue to do this. And I'm listen, it's my day off, but I can't leave home, right? Right. So what else am I going to do? I get to have a right. two-hour conversation with you. That's not a bad way to spend a Friday. Well, I appreciate it very much. Um, so you referenced it, but so how how have you been hanging in there with the quarantine? I've been doing fine. I've had to make a lot of adjustments, like everybody else, wiping down surfaces, washing my hands a hundred times a day, using the hand sanitizer at every turn. Uh, I am still going out to do my job five days a week. Uh, occasionally I can do a FaceTime interview or a Skype interview, but even on those days, I still have to go meet a cameraman somewhere. We're trying to keep our distance. I drive to wherever I need to go to meet the cameraman and our camera woman. And, uh, we, he hands me a microphone on a pole so that when I interview people, I can be several feet away. So I've had mm -hmm. to make that kind of adjustment. My wife and I are living separate places because she says 
as long as I have to go report, as long as I have to leave home five days a week, three days on the street, two days in the studio to anchor the weekend newscast for CBS2, then she says we need to live in separate places. So we've been doing that. My dogs and my wife are somewhere else, and I'm still in the city. And, you know, so that's been tough. But listen, we know there are people who are really suffering. Whatever inconveniences I might have right now don't compare to people who've lost their jobs, people who don't know where their next paycheck is coming from, people who are really worried about the next six months to a year, worried about uh, whether they'll have a job, you know, they'll be able to go back to a job in uh, six months or a year. So um, I have nothing to complain about. I've made some adjustments. It, it, it's, it is a nerve-wracking time for a lot of different reasons. I mean, it kind of feels like we're sitting on a time bomb, you know? Right. So who's going to get this? Who's going to pass it on to somebody else? Um, who's not going to be alive in a, in a month? I mean, we don't know any of this. So we just know that we're, we're far from the worst of it. And so there's that, you know, that, that, that fear that kind of hangs over all of us and we, you know, we just have to breathe deeply and try to remain calm and try to remain connected to the people who are important to us. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, and I, I'm, I'm glad to hear that you and your wife decided to take that precaution, but also that's, I mean, that's very unfortunate because, um, you know, the, 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 the quarantine, you know, being, being kind of stuck in this, uh, you know, in these trenches with, with your, your wife, I'm sure would, you know, in many ways be welcome, but that, that's got to be a really tough adjustment for you and for her. Well, you know, it's, it's what we have to do. I want to keep her safe. She's, you know, she can work from home. I can't work from home. I can't work mm-hmm. from home five days a week, that is. And so, I, I you know, I'm going to do whatever I can to keep, to keep her safe and to make sure that I'm not bringing anything home. Or yeah. if I do, if I, if, if I bring something home, it's, it's, I'm bringing it to this apartment. <laughs> I'm right. not bringing it to her, you know. So right. it's just what you know. It's what we have to do. No one, you, you, you can't be too safe. And then, and then when you're doing your your weekend um, anchors, or when you're anchoring the weekend broadcast, that's you're in studio, and some of the other uh, anchors and and uh, they're they're kind of some of them are working from home, and some are in the field. Yeah, we're in three. So the three of us, typically three of us, are on. Um, are, are are in a newscast, are anchoring a newscast. So there's 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 me, and I'm at what we call the flash cam. It's a camera inside the news. The meteorologist Rob Ellis is in the studio because all the weather equipment, all the the computers, and everything that he needs to do his job, they're there, right? Mm-hmm. And then the sports um, anchor, either Matt Zahn or or Megan Mawaki on a, on a Sunday. Megan's at home. Matt will uh, anchor the sports cast from the sports office in the corner of the newsroom. So we're all separate. And then, of course, the reporters, you know, I, I'm reporting three days a week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. All the reporters are, are working in the field exclusively. Nobody comes mm-hmm. into the newsroom, you know. Nobody is allowed in the newsroom if it's a reporting day for them. So they're mm-hmm. just trying to minimize the risk. And then, of course, you know, when you're in the newsroom, when I'm in the newsroom, I'm wiping down every surface I can. You know, I'm wiping down my desk. I'm wiping down my desktop computer. I'm wiping down, 
the, the area where I anchor and, you know, again, washing hands and using a lot of hand sanitizer. Yeah. So you've been uh, in this business in one capacity or another for we're going 40 years, right? 42, 40, almost 43 years, believe it or not. I was, I was a kid, but it's been 43 years. Yeah. Since 77, I I started my career at WGN. I was a film librarian. Yeah. And as I've said to you, it was so long ago, Brad, that WGN was not shooting news stories on video. We were shooting news stories on 16 millimeter film, (laughs) film, Film for you youngsters out there is something you take to a place to be developed. <laughs> yeah, and they, we would use so, what it means to be developed too. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So we, the reporters and the uh, and the camera folks, the photojournalists, would shoot a story. A courier would pick up the film, get the film out of the camera, pick up the film, take it to a central location to be developed. The courier would wait there for 40 minutes, grab the developed film, and then rush it to the television station. So the reporter could put together his or her piece. That's how it was done back in those days. And so I was the film librarian. It was my job to catalog all the films so that if they needed the film a month, two months, three years down the line, they could find it. You know, file film. File, yeah. We've all heard file tape where we're trying to tell a story that's been, that's, you know, been uh, in the news before. You know, you, have, you go back to the file tape so you can show the audience what happened. Yeah, a few months or a few years ago. So my job was to catalog the film, and then from there, long story short, from there, I became a radio news writer because WGN Radio and television were under the same roof at 2501 Bradley Place. Television is still there. Radio and television were both there at the time, and uh, I became a radio news writer for GN and worked overnights for 13 months and wrote about five or six newscasts a day and then became a drive-time radio news writer for Wally Phillips and Bob Collins, which led to television, which led to producing, and then eventually reporting. Wow. And then and then was that then when you uh, took the, a break from uh, the news business on that, on that side of it and then were working in the daily administration? Right. In 92, I had been a GN for 15 years, and I was, at the time, in 92, I was covering politics and city and state government primarily, and I got to know the daily administration. I was covering Mayor Daly just about every day if I wasn't at Springfield doing stories there. And in 92, his press secretary, Avis Lavelle, his first press secretary, left the administration to become Governor Bill Clinton's press secretary when he was running for president the first time. Oh, wow. And I, okay. when I found out Avis was leaving, I said, well, I sure hope they get somebody good because I got to work with this person, you know? <laughs> and they came after me. <laughs> and I turned, I turned the job down for a couple of reasons. I, you know, I hadn't been a reporter all that long, and I thought, I'm not, you know, it was kind of a long road to get here, and I don't want to give this up now. Um, and also, I'm not sure that I'm up to – being Mayor Daly's press secretary, because the, in those days, Brad, the, the mayoral press secretary was responsible for all public relations. I don't know how Lori Lightfoot does it now, but back in the 90s and throughout the time Mayor Daly was mayor, um, the press secretary ran all media relations throughout city government. So the fire department, the police department, the sewers, and 
and buildings and, you know, name a city department. Their public information officers all um, had – were all under the press secretary. So I thought, ah, that's a big management job. I don't know if I'm up to it. It's going to be a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week thing and too much pressure, and I turned it down. And they said to me, well, why don't you keep an open mind and give it another thought? You're going to have unbelievable access. And you'll learn a lot. You can always go back into journalism and think about the experience that you could take back into it. And ultimately, Brad, what I decided was I was turning the job down because I was afraid of it. <laughs> oh, wow. I was afraid of it, you know. And it, it was so intimidating. And I thought that was the reason why I should do it, not turn it down, you know, that I that because it frightened me, because I knew it was going to be a big adjustment, that I needed to do something that would be character building. So I did yeah. that for five years. And so during – this all this time that you described or the time since then i mean obviously what we're experiencing right now is unprecedented is there any have you experienced anything anywhere close to what the the, the story that we're going to you know the times we're living in right now not even close not even close we've all lived through big moments in history we've all lived through tragedies first one that course that comes to mind in the last 30 40 years will be 911 and 9-11 changed lives. 9-11 was horrific. 9-11 changed the way we thought about terrorism on our, in our country, you know, how we had to secure the nation in a way we hadn't before. It changed how we got on airplanes. So it, it, that was, of course, an enormous story that, that's with us to this day, and it was, it was, it was horrifying. You can't compare this to anything in our lifetime. You know, people have compared right. it to World War II. But, you know, the country didn't shut down during World War II. They played baseball games and football games during World War II, right? We went, people still went to restaurants. They went to bars. Um, you know, there was some semblance of normal life, even though this enormous thing was going on in different parts of the world. Um, and, and men were were going off the war. They were dying in large numbers. And it was, it was a very difficult, very um, a sad period in, in, in our history. But the country is basically shut down right now. And right. what can we compare that to, right? Right. Where the unemployment rate skyrockets in a very short period of time, when people who were doing well financially have just crashed. Um, and we don't know what the recovery is going to look like. Right. And then there are people dying and there are people getting sick all around us. And we fear getting sick. We've never experienced anything like this. So this is by far my entire 43 years doing this, the, the by far the biggest story. Mm -hmm. um, how, how have you personally been trying to manage the anxiety and the stress that comes with this? Well, one of the things that I tried to do, and I don't often succeed at this, is limit my social media consumption. You know, it's just this phone is such an addiction. And yeah. we all feel that we're missing something. So it's just without even thinking, we reach for the phone, right? We reach for the phone when we're with a loved one. We reach for the phone when we're watching a compelling television show. We reached for the phone when we had a red light. I mean, it's just, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and so 
you know, I mean, that's that that's that's when 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 times are normal. But now we feel that I got to get the latest information. You know, what's the latest tweet? You know, what did Trump say today? You know, and 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 I just I don't think constant the constant exposure is healthy for any of us. So I tried to limit. I obviously have to participate in social media to an extent. And, and I'm a consumer, but I try to. Re, I'm trying to reduce my consumption. I'm trying to stay, do a much better job, staying in touch with good friends and family. I, I, I'm talking to my friends more than I ever have. You know, I mean, I talked to my best friend of 50 plus years, my daughter's godfather. I talked to him uh, twice a day, most days. Right? Oh wow. Uh, I, I'm 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 reaching out to cousins and other family members more than I have in a long, long, long time. I'm reaching, um, I'm reaching colleagues who've retired recently to check on them to see how they're doing. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't want to take anything for granted here, you know, and I also right. want to make sure that everybody's okay. So I've been doing a lot more of that, doing a lot of reading, trying to step up, step up my meditation. I've always practiced meditation. And find that that's helpful. And, um, you know, there's no gym to go to, so I'm not going to the gym, but I got my barbells here in the apartment, and I walk around. I'm, as I'm talking to you right now, I'm walking. Good, good, <laughs> I'm walking good. Around the, I'm walking around the the, uh, the living room to get some steps in and to, you know, trigger my thoughts. And so I, you know, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm like everybody else. I'm trying to, trying to adjust and trying to, make the best of a very stressful situation. Yeah. Well, um, the, the social media aspect of this is fascinating, right? I mean, it's like, and, and you in particular are such a, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to have made the cut. I know you're at the, the, the friend limit, but people can still follow you, but yeah, I'm, I'm actually, we're actually Facebook friends. So I feel honored about the yeah. that. But you, um, you're very, I, I find you to be a very, you know, pleasant, straightforward um, presence on social media. And, you know, clearly when we're, when we're scrolling through our feed, not everyone is like that. And, and I do occasionally see people who are, you know, I don't know the best way to describe it, but they're, you know, they're unpleasant. I don't want to call them trolls, but there are people who are commenting on things you're posting about um, in, you know, pretty, I, I feel like negative um, right. fashion. Um, and, and also, you know, I noticed that, that when the, quarantine was first starting, a lot of people were, were blaming the, the media for kind of creating yep. this panic and this hype. And that seems to have tapered off. What are your, what are your thoughts on that? Well, a lot of people take their cues from the president of the United States. I mean, what did he say when this started to explode? He was minimizing the risk. He said the Democrats were exaggerating. He said this is their new hoax. January 22nd, he said, it's totally under control. It's going to be fine. February 26th, he said, uh, we're pretty soon at five people, could be just two, could be 23 over the next short period of time. We've had very good luck. On March 7th, he said, I'm not concerned at all. Mm -hmm. uh, he said, the cure can't be worse than the disease. He said he wanted people to pack churches on Easter. Well, the people who support the president, there are a lot of people who support the president, they took their cues from him. Uh, they took their cues from a man who says that the press is the enemy of the people. And, and you know, they said that members of the press were in cahoots with the Democrats, and we were trying to destroy the president by exaggerating 
the 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 coronavirus risk. Yeah. And you know, I even you know, I w- I was saying this to you even today, you know, I posted just the raw numbers. You know, I don't I don't get into attacking the president or attacking the Democrats or attacking Pritzker or Lightfoot or any, you know, I mean, asking a critical question from time to time is one thing and, and trying to set the record straight is one thing, but I don't go on the attack. And yet, so yesterday I just posted as I've done often, just the raw numbers in Illinois, the number of new cases, the number of new deaths, the overall number of cases, right. And some guy wrote in the thread on that post, he said, guess from here on, and every time there is a new virus and a president we don't like, we will just close everything down. Yeah. In other words, you, even though there have been Republican governors who, who issued a stay-at-home order, too, um, mm-hmm. you know, that the Democrats are using this to drive Donald Trump out of office, and they're working hand-in-hand with the news media to do this. And so – People were inclined not to take it seriously at the beginning of this, right? Yeah. Don't, don't, don't quarantine. Don't issue stay-at-home orders. You're just, um, you know, you're just doing this to to sully the president's record. And little wonder that, <laughs> you know, we we've had some of the problems that we've had, and we've not been able to curb it at the rate that, you know, the the, the scientists and the doctors like. Uh, Mr. Fauci, Dr. Fauci, say so uh, that we should have, and and uh, you know, and it, that's that's the danger in stirring up this this anger toward the press. That's the danger in in telling people they can't trust what the media says, and you know, it it, it there's a big cost to pay for all of this. Right. You it, you mentioned Dr. Fauci, and I wonder if you can relate to him at all, having been you know, on his side of the podium with your time representing Mayor Daley. And, um, you know, Mayor Daley was known for uh, an uh, oftentimes, I don't know, abrasive or, or combative relationship with the, with the media. Were there times where from you... Time to, from, yeah, from time to time, yeah. Well, look, remember when Jim Acosta, CNN, uh, was banished from yeah. the press gatherings and had his press credentials invalidated and i posted on facebook that i thought that was wrong and and some people said well his behavior is abysmal he's 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 not a real reporter he's just trying to antagonize the president he's counterproductive and a couple of examples i cited were um times when mayor daly would just go off on a reporter a reporter would ask a question he didn't like the premise of the question he'd scream and holler at the reporter Always, without fail, Brad, he did that, and I thought he was wrong. I would tell him he was wrong. I wouldn't embarrass him in front of the other reporters, but after we left the reporters and we went to his office, he would say, well, how do you think? You know, he always suspected that maybe he had stepped over the line because he would often ask me, well, how do you think that went? And I, <laughs> and I would say, Mr. Mayor, you went too far. I don't think France Spillman deserved that answer or that kind of attack. I don't think Tom Hardy, who's a political reporter for the Tribune or John Cass. I don't think they deserve that that response. And usually he would tell me to, well, you just go apologize to them, man. You know, and I would say, <laughs> and I would apologize. Or in extreme cases, when he really went off, I would say, you need to apologize. And he would. Franz Spillman would go up to his office by herself, and he would apologize, or at least 
his version of an apology. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe not. Maybe not an exact. You know, uh, you know, I'm a sorry. wise guy, a, a, a wise man once said that a good press secretary defends the press with the boss and defends the boss with the press. You know, mm, and yeah. you're paid by if you're working for a government official, you're not on a campaign staff, right? You're you're a press secretary for a governor, for a mayor, for the president. You're paid by taxpayers. And we have an obligation to provide information, as corny as that may sound. We have an obligation to provide information to the public through the news media and to do it in a constructive, healthy way. And that's the way I approach that job. So, you know, or or if the mayor just misspoke, I would try to set the record straight um, and you know, and and also just acknowledge that sometimes you're going to make mistakes. I mean, the worst thing that happened in the five years that I worked for Mayor Daly was the great heat wave of 1995. Hundreds of people yeah. died, hundreds of people. And in the days leading up to that, the reporters were asking the mayor about the dangerous forecast, right? Mr. Mayor, it's going to be very, very hot this weekend. What are you doing to protect Chicagoans? And the mayor was impatient, and he would say, oh, it's going to be hot, 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 you know? Because he had, after all, had lots of hot summers in Chicago. Right. You know, that didn't play well two or three days later when the big tractor trailers rolled up, right, and carried bodies yeah. away. Yeah. Uh, that that, that soundbite kept being played over and over and over again, and he got hammered for it. And so there are times when you just have to, you know, I think what you what you always learn, is or what you should learn what the Trump administration needed to learn. What the president needed to convey was, I understand the seriousness of the situation, and you need to do that at the very beginning, right? You need to do that. Don't, don't see it as a threat, a political threat. Don't see it as your enemies going after you, but you know what? This is something that we have to take seriously. Yeah. And then, I mean, how – I see the media – I mean – and you see it more than I, but I see the media criticized a lot. And there certainly right. are plenty of, you know, there are plenty of, there's a lot of whatever you want to call it, blame or criticism to go around. But what I, I don't know, you know, people are like, well, why don't, why doesn't the media call Trump out when, when, when he's clearly contradicting himself? But I feel like that's happening. It's just not, it doesn't change Trump's behavior. I mean, for him to go back and say, it was a light last week. He said, Oh, I always knew it was going to be a pandemic. Like that's, that's just, Patently false, but then how that's do you? That's just a flat lie. That's a flat yeah. lie. So how was, and so if what, he knew that, if, if it's true, he knew that, then he didn't convey that. That that's that cannot be questioned. Right. So, I mean, what what do we do then? Right. It's like how I mean you. I mean, who ultimately he's accountable to the voters, right? And a lot of voters don't seem to. Mind. I guess this. I don't want to get off the topic here because we could talk about this for. We'll save it for when when the quarantine's lifted and we can go meet up for a, a beer somewhere. Um, but <laughs> I just I just uh, you know I feel like yes, there's plenty of valid criticism or you know feedback that 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 you know for just the media in general, which is a, a huge that that's just too broad of a topic. But what do you, what do you do? I mean, you call it out and it either has an impact or it doesn't. I, you know whatever. Well, you try to be as you try to take the emotion out of it, right? Yeah. And you try to take the hyperbole, you try to take the hyperbole out of it because that doesn't serve anybody and you lose credibility even if you have a righteous stand, you know, when you 
use it with hyperbole, exaggeration, it's hard for people, a lot of people, to take you seriously. But even if you offer a a sober analysis of what's going on, there are going to be plenty of people who criticize you, plenty of people who will say that you're just working with the, the enemies, the opponents of the president, the governor, the mayor, you name the public officials. And, you know, there is there's tremendous criticism directed at members of the media these days. And, you know, and you can understand, and this is not to say that we're, we're infallible because reporters are human beings and they make mistakes. And I think when you make a mistake, you have to correct the mistake. And you have to do whatever you can to maintain your your integrity and your ability to be impartial uh, mm-hmm. in, in in your coverage of a story. But um, you know this is the climate we're in, and 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 also the other thing you can't underestimate the role that social media plays in all this because people right. have voices now. You know, there are people on social media. They're not judges. They're not they're not journalists, but they're influencers, and right. they have much bigger a much bigger impact, much bigger influence than I will ever have because they have huge social media followings and uh, they have, you know, they, they, they have people who hang on to their every word, who take them seriously. And on one hand, that's good because it's democracy and, and it, we have free speech. And, and you know, you're not a, – a, a great reporter is not above criticism. But on the other, there's just a lot of crackpot stuff that's out there. Oh, a lot of folks who, who, you know, conceal their identity and they just attack, 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 and they do it for the sport of it. They're not doing it to illuminate anybody, right? They're right. doing it because, oh, look, look at me, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm dropping a, uh, a roach in the punch, and so, um, you know, it, it's, it's a very difficult media landscape. Social media, traditional media, mainstream media, whatever you want to call it. It's a very difficult landscape to navigate these days. Yeah, and it's not like it was necessarily simple back in the day, but it was definitely less complex, that's for sure. Less complex. I think your question, and I didn't answer it, what do we do? I think we just try to keep putting the the truth out there and hope that um, enough reasonable people will will see it as the truth and act accordingly. Mm -hmm. I appreciate that. So um, switching gears, uh, you and I first met when you um, very kindly invited me on your one of your uh, weekend news broadcasts to CBS back in, I think it was 2004, which is, right. which is crazy. And I've always been extremely grateful for that. Um, and, you know, I, I do, I think about that often. I'm still friends with, uh, with Stacy, who was your producer at the time. Yes. Yeah. And, um, but, you know, one thing, I, and we kicked this around a little bit yesterday, um, back then you had a full head of hair and now you <laughs> shave, now you shave your head and now you're, you know, fast forward 17 or 16 or 17 years. And I'm kind of at that threshold of, you know, do I keep this charade going with my partial head of hair or do I, or do I just shave it? And I wondered you, especially being on television are, you know, very aware of this. So I'm curious if you have any advice for me as someone considering going with the shaved head look. Number one, check in with your wife first. All right. <laughs> she she makes the ultimate call here. 
When I was thinking about shaving my head, I was tired of moving hair strands around. I was tired of trying to cover ball spots, and I just wanted something simple, right? I wanted to wake up. I wanted to run the razor across it and, and not even think about it. But before I did that, I said to my wife, I said, what do you think? She says, I think you'll look great. Do it. Wow. And I did it, and I haven't looked back. Now, if you're worried about how you might look, I, I, aren't there apps out there that will that you put a photo through and will show you what you would look like bald or with a mustache or with a yeah. goatee, right? I'll have, so to, you might, I'll have to check. I'm going to do some research on this after our call because I've not heard of these. But yeah. Sound like, yeah. Yeah, you might want to do that, but, you know, I, I think you'd look good. I do. But, you know, ultimately that's that's for you and your better half. <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, you know, I think her preference would probably be that I go the Brian Urlacher route. Uh, okay. And, uh, but uh, and actually, we the, the, we we did a we did an article in Heckler about um, those Urlacher billboards that you see everywhere and how he, right. he overdid it on the restore treatment and now he looks like Chewbacca. And the 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 restore. <laughs> the, yeah, I'll send you the link. The the restore people. <laughs> The restore people retweeted it, so we had we've had some conversations with them about potentially working together. Of course, that's all been uh, you know slowed down right. to a trickle by the by the quarantine. But um, yeah, yeah. I mean, my my approach has always been you know if I have the money to spend on that, I'd rather put it to better use for you know I think about you know, my I wife understand. and I, yeah my wife and I are big into dog rescues, so I think about all the dogs oh. I could rescue in exchange for a full head of hair, and it's a, that's a tough right. one for me. To, so but right. Okay, I'll, uh, well, as, 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 as the parent of two uh, paws dogs, I could appreciate that. Oh, amazing. You didn't mention that earlier. That's great. I, yeah. I, uh, my, I commend my dogs, my beloved dogs are with uh, my wife right now. Yeah. I miss them. I do. I yeah, we got them both from paws. I hope you occasionally get FaceTimes with the dogs, but I've heard I do, the dogs yes. Don't, yes. They don't really know. They don't really understand where no. they look. If they can't uh, sniff you, they don't know you're there. You exactly. Know? But, yeah, I'll I'll say to her, we try to we we talk multiple times during the day, but we try to have one uh, video call, and I'll say, okay, where are the dogs? And she'll hand <laughs> the phone over to show me my dogs because I miss them. Oh, I can't imagine. Um, but so the one thing I'll say is, um, you know, I I think that guys who shave their heads tend to look better the the darker their complexion. My my concern is that I'll shave my head and. I will just look like a cue ball, which, you know, it works for some people. I mean, it worked for hey, Urlacher for so many years, but I don't know. It worked for Urlacher. Jason, Jason Statham looks great. Vince, uh, 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 Bruce Willis looks great. Yeah. You know, yeah. you know, it all depends. Yeah. I'm, Lots of those guys, guys all, it all. Those guys all have guys swagger. They, they've got, they've got swagger. I'm not sure about, I, I would look like, you know, Pete from accounting or something, but. You know, you're a good-looking good guy. I have no doubt you can pull it off. Uh, but I you got to be comfortable with it. And your wife yeah, has to be comfortable with it. So. Got to run it by the wife. That's so, right. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, you know, the, one one thing that I've been asking guests is what they would sacrifice in order for the quarantine to end in a responsible but, but timely and, you know, speedy fashion. Uh, what, what What are some of the things that you would give up in exchange for that? I would give up all non-essential things in my life to have a speedy resolution here and save lots of lives. So I, w- I would give up my car. I would give up 
uh, wine. I would give up desserts. I would give up, uh, you know, I would give up a lot of recreation, anything non-essential. You know, obviously, I want my family to be okay, and I want to be able right. to make a living. But anything that I absolutely don't need in my life, I'd be willing to give up. That's that's more than most people. I mean, you know, I've asked that question of most of the guests, and they typically say it's something like, you know, donuts or pizza or whatever. And I, I'm I'm yeah. embarrassed I'm embarrassed to, to tell you mine because you are such a respected uh, and you know, uh, <laughs> but but I would I pulled I would give. I would give up a testicle if I if, if <laughs> Oh my goodness. Wow. That would not let me tell you, that's a hell of a sacrifice. I feel I feel ashamed, you know, citing my list after you know the sacrifice <laughs> well, you can, you'd be willing to make. You can reconsider. We'll 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 uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about it once the once the quarantine's lifted after we're able to meet up uh for a couple of exactly. days, a couple of drinks in person. Uh, and hopefully, yes. we'll, yeah, we'll, I'll, I'll still have both of mine, and you'll have your drink. Yes, I, 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 I hope you will too. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, to kind of wrap it up on a, on a, you know, on a hopeful, uplifting note, what you, know, you, you've been in this business for so long, and you've covered so many stories of, you know, tragedy and 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 you know, terrible things, uh, and this, you know, obviously is unprecedented. What, what? Both professionally and personally, what gives you hope? How, how do you how do you you know how do you try to see the light at the end of the tunnel? When people open their windows or stand on a balcony and sing to each other, here in Chicago we've seen. We affirm. Uh, we 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 are connected even at a distance. We are connected. The people who right now are working to bag groceries and to ring up groceries, who are putting themselves in harm's way um, to make sure that people have enough to eat, first responders um, who are picking people up who've had heart attacks and strokes, and and and, and they're they're trying to take precautions, but they're they're out there. The, the doctors and the nurses and the medical technicians working in hospitals right now, uh, all the thousands of people who are coming out of retirement the medical professionals who are trying to save lives, trying to make life better for those who are suffering. Uh, we, we've got to focus on that. We have to embrace that. We have to, um, I think, realize that we have a greater appreciation for the things that we took for granted a month ago, mm-hmm. and that when this is over, and it will be over, it will end at some point, we hope with the bare minimum of fatalities and illnesses, but it will end and we will see life in a different light and cling to that. It, it's definitely, I think, uh, helps a lot of people learn what in life they take for granted. And I, and absolutely, you know, I, I, I'm, I, people say that I'm pessimistic. I, I, I tend to think that maybe I'm realistic, but my, my hope right. for all this is, you know, coming out of it will, will have a new appreciation for those sorts of things. And, and, uh, you know, so, um, me too. But in the meantime, while we're in the middle of it, there are so many good people trying to do good things. There are people who are delivering groceries to the homes of the elderly, right? There are people who are, there are people who are setting up online services to tutor children who are not in a classroom right now. And there are musicians who are, just playing their instruments 
with other with uh, with other musicians who are in different places, different homes, who are creating unbelievable art, even though they're not getting paid a cent for it. You know, right. because we're trying to get to those are the things that I think that we have to embrace and we have to focus on. Not to say that that's the only thing you focus on. Sometimes you just have to you have to pay attention to the raw facts. You have to pay attention to the trend. You have to know how close we are to flattening the curve and all of those things. But but try to have a balance of information flowing to your brain. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think I grew up in a really small town in rural Wisconsin, and you know, mm-hmm. some of my friends are uh, you know they, they're they're farm workers and they're they're still posting pictures of you know they're out there too. I mean, there's there's there are a lot of essential services that we don't even see that are helping keep That's things right. moving down. Things down. That, um, but, right, but, well, but we have, but we have, we have to see them. And just the very fact, Brad, that you mentioned that, that you mentioned what you're seeing from where you grew up and what people are doing, how they're going through life, what they're trying to provide to the community. That one bit of information you just shared is important. Yeah, because you I just put it out that. there. You know, yeah, I, so uh, that's what we that's what we have to do. Just, you know, yes, pay attention to the very grim part of this whole story. But don't let that don't make that the whole story. Right. So um, your your host, you host the week. I want I want to give people a chance to know where they can uh, see you and engage with you. So you host. Saturdays and Sundays, uh, afternoons and evenings, right, on the CBS2? Afternoon, yeah, 5 o'clock on Saturdays, 10 o'clock on Saturdays, 5.30 on Sundays before 60 minutes and 10 o'clock on Sundays. Got and then it. I and report then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday for the 5 and 6 o'clock newscast on CBS Channel 2 News. Got it. And then uh, your 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 bio is up there on CBSChicago.com with other places people can follow you, including right. I know you're, you and I engage frequently on Facebook, and then I know you, your Twitter and, and Instagram as well, right? That's that's right. I'm on Instagram. More of a consumer of Instagram. I don't post that many pictures, but uh, you know, Facebook and Twitter. I'm fairly active on both of those platforms. Yeah. And I appreciate your so your 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 Facebook profile as well. You're you're always a very smart, engaging presence. Uh, I I pre- that means that means a lot uh, coming through. I really I appreciate that, and I. I feel the same about about yours. Um, you know, it, Facebook is funny. I mean, you know, we, we talk about how we need to limit the exposure to social media, but you and I have only met in person a couple of times, and I feel like I know you right. so much better because of the kind of presence you are. And I, I've, I've, you know, I've forever been appreciative of you inviting me on your show back, way back when, in, in uh, 2004, many, many uh, full heads of hair ago. And, uh, and uh, we, you know, I, I'm forever uh, thankful for you and, and gracious for that. So, and I'm equally as gracious for you taking time to do not one, but two interviews with me today. So listen, man, uh, it's an honor for me. It's, it, it's, you know, it's, it's great that we have this connection and thank you for inviting me. I enjoyed uh, thank, it. Yeah. And I can't wait once the, once uh, everything's, you know, back to quote unquote normal, uh, we're going to make sure we meet up again in person. I'm going to buy you several glasses of wine or if you did decide to sacrifice <laughs> that we'll, we'll we'll have we'll have iced teas or something but uh we're going to meet up in person and, and uh enjoy each other's company that way absolutely brad i look forward to it i really do all right thanks very much jim i really appreciate your time thanks thank you brad there you have it jim williams uh just i mean by all accounts 
great guy, consummate professional. Um, I, I can't, you know, especially with my experience with him today with screwing up the podcast, I cannot uh, say enough good things about him. And I personally am looking forward to whenever all this is over, uh, the quarantine, I am going to invite Jim for a drink somewhere or an iced tea if he does, in fact, give up alcohol. And I hope he obliges. I have a feeling he will. Uh, just based on my experience with him so far. So, uh, you know, another day uh, in quarantine and uh, another wellness check. I hope you've been enjoying them. I've really been enjoying them. I'm hoping that people find them to be a good diversion from the stresses around us. Um, got some, as always, got some other great guests uh, in the works, and uh, I hope you'll be around for those. I'm gonna. My goal is to be doing these one a day as long as the quarantine lasts. And uh, you know, so far so good, I guess. But, uh, and, and as I always uh, request, please uh, rate, review, subscribe, share, all that good stuff. I would really appreciate it. Um, so until next time, thanks a lot and take care.